You're listening to a teaching from Vineyard Church in Jacksonville, Florida. For more information on teachings and special events, visit us online at www.vcjax.org. That's vcjax.org. Now let's listen in. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for the truth of your word. We ask you in the name of Jesus, Lord, just to speak it. Uh, plant it deep, Lord. Plant your word deep in our hearts, Father. May it be truth that just resonates within us and that we proclaim and speak and declare and walk in, Lord. It's not just something we learn, but we, we, we act on your word. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Uh, we started several weeks ago, like I said a minute ago, talking about warfare. And, and basically, as I was thinking about this, um, if there's if you walk away, and I think I got one more week I'm going to share on, on warfare, but if you walk away, and I think, so that'll be a total of five weeks I've been talking on warfare. If you walk away from this with just two things, I'm going to, I'll be happy. <laughs> um, one is, most essential, is that we are in a war. Everybody got that? We're in a war. In fact, this, I, I sometimes, I think one of the... It's, Paul or Peter says we're not ignorant of his schemes. I think one of the biggest schemes of the devil is to try to convince us or somehow cloud over our thinking, our brains, to make us apathetic to the point of not really recognizing we're in a war. Okay, so we talked about that. That, that what I want us to know and, and understand and believe and 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 walk in is a sense that I'm in a war. Okay, and, and if I'm in a war, I do things differently. I respond differently. And we're going to talk some about that tonight. The second thing is, I mentioned a minute ago, is I want us to get a, a walk away from this with a different understanding of what it means to, to patiently endure. Okay, to, to understand that the truth of the biblical truth of what it means to uh, to under, to to patiently endure is, is not the sense of, of of just sitting down and and just to you know kind of let let the tide roll you know whatever comes my way comes my way and and I'm just going to accept it because I'm supposed to endure and not only am I supposed to endure but I'm supposed to do it patiently and most of us do real well at that right of being patiently it's right rock. Amen. And but we begin to understand and look that the biblical understanding of, of patience is not that, but it's more the sense of of, of like, like a soldier that's courageous and he's and he's standing and he's after he's done what Peter or Paul says in Ephesians, after you've done all you can do, you stand. And so it's this sense of I'm not cowering down, I'm not giving up, I'm not just you know, whatever happens, happens. No, I'm going to stand against this, and I'm going to endure this, and I'm going to do it patiently, but I'm fighting, and I'm, and I'm courageous in that. That's a total different perspective. And so I, I, want us to, I want to keep putting that in our thoughts so we walk away uh, at least knowing those two things after we come out of this five weeks of great, wonderful preaching. Amen. Thank you. <laughs> Doesn't count when you got to egg it on, does it? But I still egg it on just to be sure y'all are alive out there. Um, one of the things, again, if we're in the middle of a war, we talked about you. You, when you recognize you're in a war, you respond differently. You don't just 
You don't just stroll through life and just, you know, think everything's going to be wonderful and just kind of, you're not living your life like you're just, you know, you're just kind of stroll, taking a walk through the park. But if there's a war, if, 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 we, if we were having literally a physical war happening and we had an enemy out there with tanks and guns and shooting at us, we would we'd we'd do differently. We'd we'd think differently. We would act differently. We wouldn't it wouldn't be like just a walk through the park when you went outside. You'd be you'd be cautious, you'd be paying attention. That's why he says, pay attention, be alert. That's what Peter said, be alert. And we we've looked at that scripture and we're gonna look at it again here in just a minute. But I, I read this uh, this quote and I wanted to read it to you again. And I just, for some reason, it just resonates with me. Maybe I'm the only one, but the quote is this. I find myself wanting two things that are mutually opposed to each other. I want to live a nice little life, and I want to play an important role in God's kingdom. (laughs) Get it? I find myself wanting two things that are opposed to each other. Part of me just wants to live this nice little life. How, have you ever, how many of you ever thought that? And I would just, you know, I just, I just want to live a nice, comfortable, you know, by that I mean I'm financially free. You know, I don't have to worry about money. I, I also mean, you know, I got a lot of property somewhere up in the mountains. To me, that means, you know, it's a stream and a creek and a, probably a lake out there and a lot of deer, obviously, and, and you know, cool weather all the time. It's never hot. <laughs> and uh, that, that's, that's my idea of just, you know, I just, you know, I just want to live a nice, quiet little life where nobody bothers me. I'm not bothering anybody and nobody's bothering me. I'm minding my own business and, and I have my, my family around and we just, you know, we enjoy each other's company. Are you with me? I mean, that's kind of been the background or back mind, I guess, of a lot of us in our thought. But not only I, I want to do that, but I also want to be mightily used by God. <laughs> and this, whoever wrote this, I, I never, I can't remember. I'm giving. I'll take credit for it myself because I can't remember who actually said that. But they're mutually opposed to each other. I mean, think, think for your second of of all the biblical characters of all of of you know, Old Testament, New Testament. Think, think of all those biblical characters. And you can't name one that lived a nice, comfortable little life and was mightily used by God at the same time. <laughs> it doesn't happen. Peter says this, verse I alluded to a minute ago, be alert and of sober mind. Be alert. In other words, pay attention. There's a war going out there. Pay attention. Sober-minded. Your enemy, who's the enemy? He tells us the enemy, the devil, look what it says, prowls about like a roaring lion. Now look what he's doing. He's looking and he's prowling and he's looking for, guess who the someone is? (laughs) Usins, you, me. He's looking for someone. The enemy's prowling. He's looking. Peter says, pay attention, guys. He's looking and he's looking for someone to go have lunch with. He's looking for someone just to have a good time with. Go partying on Friday night. Go get drunk. Have, have a blast with. Enjoy life. You know, raise hell while you can. You're going to spend eternity with your buddies having a fun party in hell. I mean, you listen to all that garbage. The enemy's looking for somebody to come and 
devour them. <laughs> Think about that a second. The enemy, have we got, everybody agree we got an enemy. The enemy is the devil and all his demons. That's the enemy. They're on the prowl. In other words, get the picture. All I've seen movies, we talked about the Lion's King. I've seen movies of animals that are on the prowl. They're looking. And that's the enemy in our lives. That's, that's the demonic realm. That's the enemy. Looking, their goal is to find somebody not to party with, not to cozy up with, not to just enjoy this, but to devour. Devour. <laughs> What comes to your mind when you think of somebody that wants to, I mean, what's that sound like, to devour, to, to devour? There's, there's, there's somebody in opposition to us that their goal is to devour us. Jesus made it, this statement this way. I've, I've quoted it a thousand times, and I'll, like I say, I'll quote it. I may use it every week for the rest of my life. Jesus said, the thief, who's the thief? The enemy, Satan, the devil, he comes to steal, kill, and destroy. I come that you'll have life and have it abundantly. Guess what devouring looks like? Stealing, killing, and destroying. That's what it says. When the enemy's coming to devour you, that's what he's coming to do. He's coming to kill you. He's coming to destroy you. He's coming to rob from you. He's a thief. He, he's, he, that's, that's, that's who he is. That's his works, is to come and do those things. In fact, is Jesus specifically calls him a thief. Now, guess what a thief does? He steals. <laughs> that's who he is. He, he's a robber. He wants to come and steal. And we know from Scripture that that's what he did in Genesis. As, as God created man, he created Adam and Eve and gave them authority to rule. The enemy, the devil, comes and he steals from them and he, he robs from them authority and power and life. He took, he took those things from them. And, and because of that, we have disease and we have sickness and we have hatred and we have pain and all those things that, that happen in our lives come from the fact that, that Adam and Eve gave that up to them, to, to the enemy, and the enemy came and brought those things because that's who he is. He comes to steal, kill, and destroy. Jesus says, however, I came to get it back. It says this in 1 John 3, 8, says, the reason the Son of God, this is Jesus, or the Scripture talking about Jesus. The reason the Son of God appeared, came to the planet, was to destroy the devil's works. Did he do that? I'd say he did. <laughs> Jesus says, I came to do it. That means he did it. He came and he accomplished what he wanted to do. I want to spend the rest of the time tonight looking at what some of those tactics are. The enemy, if he came to be a thief, I want, to, I want to spend a little time just talking about what are some of his specific tactics. How does he do that? How does he, how does he steal? How does he kill? How does he rob? All right, let's go. We're going to go, we're going to go fast on here. Steve's making a bunch of notes, and so the hub group will be ready Tuesday night. be a lot easier if I just gave you my notes, wouldn't it? Then you wouldn't learn anything. <laughs> That's right. Taking notes is what helps you to learn. Hint, hint. Um, one way he works is through what? Next slide, please. 
Next slide, please. And the next slide, please. <laughs> Keep going. Somebody's falling asleep up there. <laughs> he works through what? Deception and subtlety. One of the tactics of the enemy is deception and subtlety. 2 Corinthians 11.3 says this, But I fear lest somehow as the serpent did what? Deceived as the serpent, who's the enemy, he deceived who? Eve by his craftiness. So your minds, where's he work? And our mind, that's the main spot, main places he works. So, he, so he's saying, I'm fearing, Paul saying to the Corinthians, I fear as the same way the serpent deceived Eve, your minds will be corrupted from the simplicity that is in Christ. I love that verse. I said that a lot of, a lot of verses, though. Have y'all noticed that? I've told you guys before this. This is key. I want you to pay attention. This is, this is good. <laughs> you ready? Deceived people don't know they're deceived. Deep, ain't it? Deceived people don't know they're deceived. Let me ask you this. Can you be deceived? Absolutely. We all can. Deceived people don't know they're deceived. One of the reasons, listen to this. One of the main reasons we need each other is to help keep us from deception. You got that? That's why we're here for each other. If I'm, I mean, seriously, if I'm deceived and I don't know I'm deceived, don't you think I should want somebody to help show me that I'm deceived? I mean, who wants to walk in deception? Nobody. But people that are in deception don't know they're in deceptions. That's why we come how? Lovingly. <laughs> And kindly and speak the truth into someone's life, share with them, help them to understand, hey, you may need to pay attention to this. You might want to look at this. You could be off here. Okay, you don't walk up and tell them they're in deception because they're going to immediately bow up to you. But you, there's ways to learn how to do that. And you help. We need each other in order to walk through those things in our life. So deceived people don't know they're deceived. Another thing I want you to pay attention to this is that you'll be corrupted from the Simplicity, and I, that word simplicity, one of the things, I'm giving you guys just tons of, of stuff tonight. You need to listen to this podcast when we get it up. Okay, keep it with you. Pay attention. <laughs> one, of, one of the things that I observe literally in my life as being a Christian is that most things, if they're real complicated, are not Jesus. There's a simplicity from Jesus. You hear that? Most of the thing, not all of them, but pay attention. If there's something in your life that you're that you're trying to decide, am I supposed to do this? Am I supposed to do that? Am I, you know, am I, am I and and you're and and you're you just kind of get you know tangled up, and and there's so many different options and so many different things, and there's this person saying, well, you ought to do this, and then this one's saying you ought to do that, and then you just and you just can't figure it out. Most of the time, okay, I'm not going to say 100%, but most of the time, if it's not simple, it's not Jesus. The enemy works through 
deception. He tries to stop things from, from understanding the simplicity that's in Jesus. I hope you are getting that. One, one of the other things I want to say to you, the other thing I've noticed is this, that if I feel rushed into making a decision, it's usually not Jesus. You with me? Most of the time, if I, and I, I'll give you a good illustration. It happens all the time. I hope, nobody's, I hope there's no car salesman in here. <laughs> One of the things that you go to nine out of 10 car lots to look at a car one of the things they're going to try to do to you is tell you, if you walk at that door, you're going to miss the deal of the century. Right? And you, you, you need to do what? You need to respond now. I've, I've, listen to, I have learned through action that I don't make any of those kind of decisions on the spot anymore for the last Years I have it because I blew it too many times by making fast decisions that cost me years of, of, of trials and troubles and struggle. Okay, take time. Jesus isn't in a rush. The decision isn't in a rush. So most of the time, if I feel rushed in making a decision, it's not Jesus. Those are just some some things you can throw out there and keep 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 under wraps here. I want to read something to you. This is this is from an article talking about, this is written years ago, but it was talking about, um, about how the enemy, and by the enemy he means like, um, uh, you know, spies or terrorists or that kind of enemy. And he's writing this article about national security, a guy by the name of Jim Bamford. And he wrote this, he says this, once you've sold, once you've sold one secret you're usually hooked. Now, this is talking about somebody, a spy, trying to get in, and maybe you're in the government or you're doing something, and they're trying to get you to, to, to rat out on, on what you know or to, to, to become a spy for them. So they come to you and they say, once you sold one secret, you're hooked. They, meaning the spies or the terrorists or whatever, don't start, listen to this, they don't start by asking you to get a top secret document. This is something that was literally written years ago about terrorism and, and spies and that spy craft. They usually ask for something, the word he uses, innocuous, which means not harmful or offensive. They usually ask you for something that's not a big. They don't come and say, hey, I need you to go give me top secrets. They usually, in fact, this is his illustration. They usually ask you for something like, you know, can you get me a telephone directory? It's something simple, something that, that doesn't just jump out as, as being from the enemy as being wrong. It's something easy and simple. And then it says this, once the person starts, then they're hooked. And in a sense, that's how the enemy works. He doesn't, most of the time, most of the time the enemy doesn't come and try to knock you over with some big sin. He doesn't come to you if you're married. He doesn't come to the husband and just boom, just like that, say, hey, you need to, you need to go commit adultery and, and fall for your secretary. It, it doesn't just happen overnight. Usually it starts with something smaller. It starts off with maybe watching movies you shouldn't watch, or maybe you're watching something on TV, or you're looking at something on the Internet, or then you just become friends with your secretary at work with no, you know, she's just a nice person, and you just want to talk to her, and just, you know, you just like each other. And then, you know, I mean, what's, what's it going to have lunch together? And then you go have lunch together, and then and it's just step after little step after little step after little step, and then you've fallen into a major sin. That's typical of how the, he doesn't just come. In other words, 
The enemy's not, more than likely, the enemy can't come to me and say, I need you to go murder so-and-so. Why? Because I'm, I'm probably going to recognize that as what? Not a good idea. <laughs> okay. That's probably a lie from the enemy that's telling me that or something I shouldn't be doing. No, what he does is this. He starts you off with something smart. He starts you off by getting offended by something somebody did to you. And the next minute, you go from there from being offended to you're not in relationship with that person anymore. And then, and then you don't forgive them. And then you move from unforgiveness to I really just don't like them at all. And then that can move to hatred. And the hatred is the same as murder. You see that? That's the enemy typically when he's attacked, these are some of his tactics. When he's coming against you, he starts with little small things. He doesn't just jump you into the big ones because the big ones you recognize. He's deceptive. He'll also, number two, this is the next one. He'll try to get you, one of his ways of deception is he'll try to get you to question God's word to you. He'll often come and try to attract, attack the word that God has given to you. This is how he deceived Eve. Listen to what he says in Genesis 3. The serpent was more crafty <laughs> than any of the other wild animals the Lord had made. He said to the woman, look what he says, did God really say you must not eat from the tree of the garden? What's he doing? He's tempting her, but he's trying to come in and what? He's trying to question God's word to her. God had told Adam and Eve to not do what? Eat from the one tree. Not eat from this tree, okay? The enemy comes along and he deceives. He's crafty. He comes. Did God really say this, that you're not to eat from any of the trees of the garden? He's lying to her. He's questioning what God said. One of the ways, deceptions, one of the crafty ways the enemy comes is to get us to question what God said has said to us. That's the reason why when you get a word from God, you need to write it down, you need to plan it, you need to know what it is, because the enemy will come along and try to rob that from you and tell you, did God really say that? Did he, did he really mean that? Another thing he does, <laughs> he does a lot of things. He quotes half-truths. The enemy will come along and he'll tell you something that's partly true, but then partly false. And you'll believe the true part because you believe it's true. So you wind up believing all of it. Does that make sense to you? Let's give an example. The devil comes to Jesus in the book of Matthew and he says this to Jesus. If you are the son of God, what's he questioning there? Who he is, his character, his identity. We're going to talk about that in just a minute. But if you are the son of God, God said this. You can throw yourself down for it is written. The enemy's quoting scriptures to Jesus. He comes to him and he says, if you are the son of God, then you can do this. The Bible even backs me up, Jesus. The Bible says this. He'll command his angels concerning you and they will lift up your hands and so that when you strike your foot, I got lost there, didn't I? He will command his angels concerning you and they will lift you up in their hands so that you will not strike your foot against the stone. Did God say that? You're afraid to answer this one. Let me read it. Say it. <laughs> Let me read it to you in Psalms. Here's the verse the devil's quoting out of the book of Psalms. It says this. 
For he will command his angels concerning you to guard you in all your ways. They will lift you up in their hands so that you will not strike your foot against the stone. Sounds pretty similar, doesn't it? Doesn't it? He's quoting a half-truth. He's quoting truth. He's quoting scripture, but he's misinterpreting it. Notice the verse says, the, the verse in Psalm says this, that God will give you angels to do what? To guard him. He doesn't get, Satan's getting ready, Satan's interpretation of that or his twist on that scripture is this, he will give his angels to you so you can tempt God, so you can test God. Jump off the mountain and see if he'll do it. You follow me? That's, that's how he takes truth and he twists it. He comes to you like an angel of light is how the enemy will often come and he'll take and he'll twist those scriptures. Notice also the fact that he comes after the identity. If you are who? Who's he tell Jesus? If you are God's son. If you're the son of God. He's questioning who his identity is. Even with Eve, he says, if you will eat, if you eat this, he comes to Eve and says, if you eat this, you will be like God. Guess what? She already was. <laughs> Right? Didn't God say I'm making man and woman in my image? Wasn't she already like God? And the enemy comes along and starts questioning that. Is that really who you are? And that's what he'll do to you. He'll come to you and he'll say, is this really who you are? Are you really that? God didn't really do that. Did he really mean that? And he makes you start thinking. He makes you start questioning what your identity is. That's why I love to preach and understand who am I in Christ? Who am I? That's why I need to know who I am in Jesus. He also twists the scriptures, which we've just been talking about. Well, let's look at another place. In 2 Peter, Peter makes this statement about Paul, the Apostle Paul. He writes the same way in all his letters, speaking in them of these matters. His letters sometimes contain things that are hard to understand. Can you all say amen? Amen. <laughs> I just love that. Peter's like... Sometimes Paul writes stuff I don't understand. Which, but look what he says. Which ignorant and unstable people distort or they twist, because the enemy is using them, as they do other scriptures to their own destructions. In other words, the, one of the tactics of the enemy is to twist things, to distort the truth of the scripture. He'll quote a verse that sounds so right, but he's misinterpreting it, mis misquoting it. And John, it says this, you belong to your father, the devil. <laughs> Some people always think of Jesus as being this meek and mild and didn't ruffle feathers. This is Jesus talking to the Pharisees. <laughs> and he says to them, you belong to your father, the devil, and you'll want to carry out your father's desires. He was a murderer from the beginning, not holding on the truth, for there is no truth in him. Jesus now talking about Satan. When he lies, he speaks his native language, for he is a liar, and he's the father of lies. The enemy likes to lie. You know why? Because that's who he is. That's his character. He, he, he'll speak a truth and twist it so it becomes a lie. You follow me? And that's what he'll do to us when he's tempting us if we're not careful 
for us, our victory over this kind of attack, when the enemy comes and says, doesn't God say this about you? Or, or isn't this who you are? Or the scripture says this, for us to overcome that attack of the enemy, when he comes to twist scriptures and distort them to our understanding, guess what we have to do? We have to know <laughs> the scripture. You with me? And listen to me, it's, not, it's, it's knowing not just in the sense of having memorized, it's that, it's, that, it's that thing where David says in the Old Testament, I have hid the word into my heart that I might not sin against God. It's, 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 more, than just, it's more than just memorizing Bible verses when you need to know the word. In other words, you can, you can quote verses at the enemy and if, if, if you don't have the understanding and you're not quoting them with the authority and the power of the Scripture, the enemy doesn't care. It's more than just knowing the Bible. It's, not, it's more than just having a Bible. I mean, I've, I've been around some people that treat their Bibles almost like they're, they're something, you know, this book is somehow magical or something. Have you, have you been, I literally, I've been around people, it's like, you know, they display it properly on their, on their table and it's like somehow or another that's going to keep the devil out of their house. And they live like hell, but they got a Bible sitting there. I mean, surely that's got to mean something, right? I mean, the devil's got to be scared of that big black book. Guess what? He's not. <laughs> it's the word that he's scared of. It's the word that's in there. And the word is who? Who's John say the word is? Jesus. Jesus. So it's not just knowing the word, the written word, but it's also knowing the Word, Jesus, it's also knowing Him. So I can stand against the attacks when, when Satan comes and says, the Scripture says this, or Bob, why don't you do this? Because Bible said, you can do so-and-so and so-and-so. I can know that He's telling me a lie. Why? Because I know the truth of the Word. The Holy Spirit lives in me, and I know the Word. You with me? Say amen, somebody. Amen. All right, all right, let's move on. He also transforms Himself into an angel of light. In other words, <laughs> the devil doesn't show up with, with a red suit on and horns and a pitchfork. You with me? The devil doesn't show up looking like the devil, at least like our images or our pictures of the devil. The devil, according to this scripture, according to what I'm just saying, one of his tactics is he can look like or transform himself into an angel of light. In fact, it's one of the major ways that Christians are literally going to be deceived in these last days is through being delusional or, or being of not understanding truth, of seeing the truth. People, in fact, in fact who was I just talking about this the other day? It's it, it just, it, it amazes to me that in today's society, the stuff that's going on, the things that are happening, especially in, the, in our country, in the political realm, and the things that are going on, that people, Christians even, can't see the truth. They're, they're, they're what? Deceived, okay? And we get to share truth with them nicely and in love. Again, the Bible says in the end, a strong delusion is coming. Look what it says in 2 Corinthians 11, verses 14 and 15. And no wonder, for Satan himself transforms himself into a... Let's try it again. For Satan himself transforms himself into an angel of light. Therefore, look what it says, it is no great thing if his ministers... Who's his ministers? 
demons, his servants, his ministers, also transform themselves into ministers of righteousness, whose end will be according to the works. Guess what? They're going to look good. The devil can show up looking good. He doesn't show up like the horror. Sometimes he does. I don't want to misinform you. Most of the time when he's coming to you, he's going to look good. But he'll have deception. He'll have non-truths. And you need to know that because you know the truth. He doesn't come with a big sign on him saying, I'm the devil. In fact, is, a lot of the times his voice will sound a whole lot like, Hey. <laughs> a lot of times he'll sound like your voice before it was redeemed. He'll sound a lot like you when he's speaking to you. That's how he lies to you. Another thing, number six, he tries to cause us to stumble by laying snares in our path. He, he comes to, he'll come to you at opportune times to snare you. Often this is when you're tired. A lot of times, I don't know if you've ever noticed it, when you're tired or you're sick, the temptation is easier to give in to. Have you ever noticed that? That's the enemy coming at an opportune time. This in Luke, in the book of Luke, it says, this is talking about Jesus. When the devil had ended every temptation, remember Jesus goes and he goes and he's been baptized and he got baptized in the Spirit and he goes into the wilderness for 40 days. In fact, as it says in Luke, I think it's Luke, it says the Spirit led him into the wilderness for 40 days to be tempted by the devil. So the devil comes and starts tempting Jesus. And in this verse, Luke says this, when the devil had ended every temptation, he departed from him, from Jesus, until an opportune time. The devil likes to come at opportune times. And I've just noticed that a lot of times that's when you don't feel good, when, you're not, when, you, when your energy's down, when you're, when you're, uh, when you're, just, when you're sick, when, you're, when you haven't slept well. And oftentimes what comes from that is we, uh, when those things are happening in our lives, oftentimes if we're not careful, we ostracize ourselves from the very people we need to be around. Isn't that right? I mean, oftentimes when you don't feel good and you're sick and you're just tired, the last thing you want to do is be around somebody. And that's when we need each other the most, because that's a lot of times that's when the enemy wants to attack. He wants to come when you're just, you're just weak and you're just tired of fighting. So the enemy, that's an opportune time for him. Again, if we know Jesus and we keep our eyes on him, he'll steer us around and help us to keep our guard up. It says this in Thessalonians, but the Lord is faithful, who will establish you and guard you from the evil one. I like that. He'll establish and guards you. I want us to remember, I'm closing with this. Again, Peter says, be alert and a sober mind. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for somebody to devour. As I was saying earlier, I just, the sense I have is that there's, I think it's just a time in our lives where it's time to stand up <laughs> and be ready to fight. Be ready to go to war. These things like, like the enemy does in our lives, like sickness and disease and demonic activity and broken relationships and all, all those kind of things, poverty, things that happen in our life, those, those, they're not our friends. Okay? They're not just to be accepted and just to, well, I guess that's just my lot in life. No, you stand against them. And we need to, we need to be careful that we don't just take a, you know, kind of just like a, I, 
I don't know, it's almost like if we're not careful, we can just take a nonchalant attitude toward those things and just go, well, it is, it is, whatever it is, whatever, isn't there a song or something, whatever, will be, will be, or, is that right, isn't there a song? What is it? Yeah, yes, there we go, whatever will be, will be, and that's not a Christian mindset. You don't just go, well, you know, I guess that just happens and lie. Well, no, it doesn't have to. We can stand. We can fight against these things. His number one tactic, again, is just to convince us that he's nowhere around. And I think it's time for us to do battle in that, to take back the ground that that Jesus took (laughs) and that we can stand in. Does that make sense? Amen. Let's stand up. We are in a war. war. <laughs> that means we got to pay attention. It means we need each other. It means we got to cover each other's backs. We need we need to learn how to do these things. I'm going to look at next week some of the things we can do as far as we've seen what his tactics are. Well, how can we fight those? What do we? What does it mean to put on the armor of God? What does that look like? How do we do that? And I'm going to spend some time next week looking at, at those things. Well, Father, thank you for the the truth of your word, Lord. Father, thank you that, that, um, Lord, according to your word, that we are your kids, Dad, and we can walk in victory and that we have, um, Lord, we can walk in strength and in power that you, according to your word, you said you've given us authority over all the power of the enemy, Lord. And you said that we are more than conquerors, Lord. We don't have to walk around defeated and beaten up. But we're more, we're not just conquerors, we're more than conquerors, Lord. And then we can walk in the power and the strength of Jesus, Lord, and the power of your word and the power of the Holy Spirit, Father. And Dad, we just, we speak and we confess that we're not deceived, Lord. We're not going to be blindsided. That we're, we'll be alert to the tactics of the enemy. And Father, you've given us authority. You've given us a power over all the power of the enemy. Father, we don't have to give in. We don't have to just just roll over. We can stand. We can put on your armor and do all that we've done and then stand. Thank you, Father, that you've given us victory. Hallelujah. And Dad, I pray you you would help each of us, Lord, to walk walk in these truths, Lord, to walk them out in our lives, not just to learn something else or to add something else to our knowledge, but Father, help us to walk in, in the strength and the power of your word, Lord, and the strength and power of your might. Thank you, Jesus. Let your kingdom come, Lord. Let it come. Hallelujah. If you've got um, something going on with you sickness-wise, something that's hurting, something that's happening, and you want somebody to pray, raise your hand. We're gonna, I want to just take a minute to pray for folks. Y'all, some of you guys that, that don't have your hand raised, get around some of the folks that do have their hand raised and uh, just lay hands on them. We're going to pray. Come on, some of y'all get around. Miss Karen here. There we go, Jim. Uh, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Father, we pray in the name of Jesus that your kingdom 
would come, Lord. Let it come. Let, let it come, Dad. Let it come now, Lord. Your, your will that's in heaven, Lord, your will of health and wholeness and healing. In the name of Jesus, Lord, we just speak it and we declare, let it come. Let it come into these bodies, Lord, into these and these into these backs that that need healing, into this, and to Lord, that you would bring healing, Father, in the name of Jesus. Lord. Thank you, Dad. Father, we pray for Mike and Mel, Lord, as well. That you'll bring healing, Father, to their bodies, Dad. In the name of Jesus, we're we're going to walk in what all that you said we could walk in, Dad. We're not going to just accept sickness. We're not going to just accept pain. But we're going to stand and the authority that you've given us. And we receive in Jesus' name, or we receive healing in the name of Jesus, Lord. Wholeness and healing. Let it come, Dad. Let it come. Let your kingdom come. Lord, that's a declaration. Father, we declare your kingdom come in this place, Lord, on these bodies in Jesus' name. You've been listening to a teaching from Vineyard Church. For more information on teachings and special events, visit us online at www.vcjax.org. That's vcjax.org.